Happy birthday, Gabriel Nassif. <laughs> for those who don't know, today is Gabriel Nassif's birthday, and for whatever reason, Gab, you're recording here on your birthday. I'm Harry G. Welcome back to Midweek Meta Game, episode 153. Also joined by Birthday Boy, Gab. How you doing? Great, great. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> and also, we're joined by Patrick Robertson. It's not my birthday. <laughs> bit of a different introduction today but what isn't different is that it is a spoiler season and we want to speak about the playability of these cards being announced and that are going to be legal very soon uh, but before we get into things as always if you enjoy the podcast the podcast is brought to you by card market they sponsor us they're the best place online to get anything magic the gathering related deck boxes sleeves accessories singles you can sell on there pokemon digimon Yu-Gi-Oh, other card games everything that you need cardmarker.com cardmarker.eu best place in europe to buy anything card game related as well as thank you to all the patrons patreon.com slash midweek metagame best place to support us no pressure to do so but go there if you do wish to do that but we want to speak about spoilers you want to hear about spoilers the past week i don't know if all the spoilers are out yet i think they are why don't someone take it away from me and say what we're actually going to do this episode. All right. It's uh, yeah, full set spoiled. Uh, we're up on Scryfall at the moment. We're going to go through uh, starting at white, going down the list. Uh, when one of us has got a card we want to talk about as we go down, we'll just shout it out and we'll go through uh, things. We're going to be focusing on Pioneer and Modern primarily, but you know probably things that are on the borderline of playable and Pioneer might lead us into some kind of standard waffling. Um, for context, this set's going to be legal about a week before the PT, the regional championships is that right not even i think maybe actually this week for the cards that already exists right so something like diabolic intent okay. what else not that many cards honestly most of them are new right okay so so very little time between now and the pt but it will be pt legal so this is counts as gab's testing yeah, honestly, if you want to test before the regional championships, you probably have to do it in paper with proxies and stuff. That's, that's unfathomable. I'll never be doing that. Should we get started? Well, you're, well, you're not qualified for the European That's right, and I never will be. <laughs> <laughs> All right, right, let's go. All right, first card. I've got it. Calamity's Wake. All right. Calamity's Wake. One white, one colorless, instant. Exile all graveyards. Players can't cast non-creature spells this turn. Exile Calamity's Wake. This is not the best graveyard removal. It is not the best uh, anti-spell-based combo card, but it's a, it's both, it's both in one. And if we've learned anything from formats like Modern, having flexibility on your impactful sideboard slots makes up for a power disparity. So maybe Rest in Peace is a better, a better anti-graveyard card. But if you need both Silence and Rest in Peace but don't have the sideboard space, you can turn to a card like Calamity's Wake. Anyone else think this is going to you know, make an impact for any other reason? I don't think it's going to be great in Pioneer. You've got Rest in Peace. You exile their graveyard. They can't play Ops and Treasure Cruise and Charter Course and whatnot against a Phoenix deck. But uh, no, you're on point, I guess, just... For those of you who didn't quite get it, it basically counters the Cascade spells because they Cascade the spell and you play that on the stack and then they can't resolve. They can't play the actual, you know, Living End slash Rhinos, etc., etc. 
and, and, on, it, on and it nukes the graveyard top. versus living yeah, in. Yeah, against living in, it does, you know, both at the same time. It does exactly your own graveyard, so if you're relying on your graveyard for some reason, the old also downside. It, also, it stops you casting your own spells. Um, yeah, I'm not sure how that one would be super relevant, but maybe. Um, yeah, I guess if they're not casting any spells, but I mean, you can't cast this and then follow up with, uh, say, a copy of like a draw, a draw two or something like that. Yeah. No, I had that uh, first on my list as well. I guess I'll go next. Yeah, go for it. A card I brought up but kind of got shut down. I did a set review this afternoon in my stream, mostly focusing on Pioneer, kind of with the Pioneer lens on. And it was in the trenches, which is white, white one for a glorious anthem. Creature you control get plus one, plus one. But on top of that, it has a white and five ability that says six mana exile target non-land permanent you don't control until in the trenches leaves the battlefield. Activate only as a sorcery and only once. So mm. you get a one-time six mana removal spell unless they get rid of in the trenches. And my reasoning was, okay, you're playing an aggressive deck and you're worried about a card like Cyborg Baneslayer Angel, Kalidas, and instead of having to bring in Spot Removal that might be dead, you bring it in the trenches, you play it as a Crusade, and then maybe down the line you get to remove that annoying permanent. People seem to think the rate was way too bad, and I think I kind of agree with them. But obviously all the cards that we think are maybe a little too weak for Pioneer or Modern might be good enough for standards. Hmm. I actually think that card is pretty good because I've played the mono white aggro deck in Pioneer and I feel like you don't have a lot of interaction, but yeah, when you're playing like 20 lands, it definitely feels awkward. But I I could see this as, even as a one of main deck card, right? You play the Benelish, Benelish Marshall, the white, 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 three, three. And you know, I, I found that that was a really powerful card in the deck. I could, I could see this. I could see this being at least a one of in some part in the Pioneer Mono White. Yeah, I was seeing it as maybe one of in the main, one of in the sideboard, but really, I I got no traction on that one. And any card that's non-creature is going to be in a, inherently worse because of your own Thalia. So mm. I decided to, you know, drop it. What do you think, Pat? Yeah, I. I think that the time for Glorious Anthem being a, a really good magic card has kind of passed, and obviously they tack a lot of extra value on the front of it. I do like this card. I actually like it having it in multiples in, in your deck, because if you really want this effect, your deck is going to be set up to kind of take advantage of the Anthem. But one of the downsides of having lots of Anthems in your deck is that when you draw only Anthems, or your, your late game like Anthem Flooded, but you don't have, if they deal with your early, your sets of you know, creatures or token makers, and your other ones don't do anything, but at least these kind of stave off your opponent's kind of, uh, your opponent's attempts to kill you. They can, you know, like you said, remove troublesome blockers. I, I kind of, I don't think this is going to actually be good, but I think it's more because there's not a deck designed to take advantage of it rather than its inherent power level. I think it's actually a very powerful card. Okay, yeah, fair enough. I feel like it, it kind of is too, but... I guess it's kind of hard to judge these weird effects that we've never had before, like six mana attached to a Glorious Anthem. It's a little random and probably makes the card hard to rate. Yeah, it's it's like two things that are really different attached to one another that yeah, you can't really kind of say like, oh, this is perfect for like, you know, it just kind of augments the, the first ability. It doesn't, it has nothing to do with that. But, you know, we've learned time and time again that having little extra value tacked onto things that you already want is, uh, 
is quite powerful. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I'm I'm glad you brought that up because it wasn't on my list, and I thought long and hard about putting it on my list. And then as I went down further and further, I became far less discerning, and I have plenty to say about that card. Mm. Harry, do you have All anything? Right, like, do you have anything coming up? Because I've got one on the next line. Uh, I mean, to be honest, one that I'm eyeing up a bit. You guys might disagree with me, but is Lauren of the Third Path? It's a two and a white legendary creature, human artificer. This is on my list too. Yeah, when it enters the battlefield, destroy up to one target artifact or enchantment. You can tap it. You and target opponent each draw a card, and it's a two-one. To me, instantly, from my pioneer experience, I remember playing against a lot of green-white collected company, specifically with the PVDDR um, three-one flyer and. Um, voice of resurgence and all that and you can play this and you have to but the i'm thinking okay this is a good card but you have to choose it over night of autumn right so i think that something like this is great especially in a format that's playing a, a decent bit of ley lines binding you have the ignatic incarnation deck now you see fires of invention so um I don't know if you'd want to play this overnight of autumn, but to me it sticks out as a good option, to be honest. And the fact that it's a human, it gets pumped. So like from Thalia's lieutenant, it pumps champion of the parish. So look at, I could I could see. Look at Harry with his with his over, overflowing optimism. I, I I'm also optimistic about this card as well. Not not for the same reasons as you. I don't think you're ever really choosing to play this over a card like Night of Autumn. But if you want a main deck disenchant, and you also have a main deck Narset, you can break the symmetry. <laughs> of the of the tap hmm. ability that's kind of where that's where my brain went to immediately is ways to break the symmetry of the um of the tap ability and like you know notion thief uh nasa the obvious ones that spring to mind but then at the same time you're really leaning on i you you really want to have that main deck uh disenchant stable to a body yeah i think it's more of a sideboard card for pioneer just sideboard in mono white maybe sideboard in blue white control or in the narset deck and people mentioned that it might be really good in Legacy, mm. especially with his, um, Spirit Labyrinth, with his free one for two that says players control more than one card a turn. That card's also legal so in, I, uh, in Pioneer, right? It is, but it's not nearly as good in a non-brainstorm format. <laughs> that's true. That's true. So, yeah, I don't think it's huge impact on Pioneer, maybe marginal upgrade. You know, there's not that many enchantments i don't think it's good enough to bring in against green even though they have wolf willow haven and oath of nissa and some current targets i don't think it's good enough to bring in against fable of the mirror breaker so that leaves you as maybe a random maybe white red artifact deck that you harry and cherry x-men kind of like for a while or um incarnation or fires of intervention which are not super popular decks Okay. A little, a little narrow. I don't know what the white sideboard looks like at the time. It's possible that you have a bunch of bad cards anyways, because that's usually, you know, <laughs> when you're playing mono-white aggro, your sideboard's usually not super impressive. So maybe it makes maybe it makes sense. Maybe it's worth it. You sound like a believer in that deck, yeah. Mono-white aggro? No, it's a fine deck. I'm just saying that's what, you know, ag- aggro sideboards are usually the not... Yeah. They're not right. super great. So, uh, Harry, you mentioned Collected Company. I caught, I, the next card I actually had on my list going in, in sequence was Kyla's Rest Reconstruction, which is uh, three white and X. So, white, 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 X. 
sorcery. Look at the top seven cards of your library and put up to X artifact and or creature cards with mana value three or less from among them onto the battlefield and put the rest on the bottom of your library in a random order. So this is like a scalable collected company. It's worse for four mana, but it gets better and better as the game goes on. And I, I'm pretty I'm pretty high on this card for Pioneer. I think that it's pretty easy to find ways to use this to, you know, like maybe in a green white company deck, you can use it to, to, you know, bolster the number of collected companies you have. But also if you just play mono white aggro, you can just have this at your top end and you can just, you know, when you make your sixth land drop, you know, heaven forbid, you can put three cards in the play from the top of your library. Obviously it's capped because you look at the top seven cards only. So you, X is eight, like you can't do anything, but uh, I think this is a pretty powerful card. Mm, I'm not too sold. I find that if you're a mono white deck paying the same cost as Storm the Festival and doing something less powerful, you're probably not in a great position. I I think that mono white is definitely a good deck, but I I don't think that this is the upgrade that mono white is looking for, as well as you're turning on things like Dovin's Veto in game one from blue-white, Negate from blue-black. I think may, maybe it's okay for mono white, but I wouldn't see this as a premium gap. Yeah, I don't know. I don't think it would be good in in mono white, not not mono white aggro anyways. Maybe a weird mid range build or a urine deck. Maybe maybe like white green company urion somehow. I mm-hmm. I, I haven't thought about it at all before you mentioned collected company. I was just thinking of it in a mono white deck, but you're already playing company. You're playing urion, so you have more cards, so you have more room for spells. You play reconstruction and then you blink some of that stuff with your Yorion. I don't know, it needs to catch you up. I'm guessing against something like Red Black might be good enough. Against Phoenix, you need to hit cards that are actually going to be relevant against whatever they're doing. I'm not sure any kind of pile is ever going to catch you up against Monogreen if they're doing their thing, but... Maybe, I don't know, maybe you hit like a Skyclave, a Reclamation, like that Lauren of the Third Path. Did you have anything specific in mind? I, mean, I was mostly thinking that you would just hit kind of the standard swath of three drops that are uh, that, that are good with, that have good end of the battlefield abilities. You know, like you've mentioned Skyclave Apparition, Lauren is potentially uh, uh, whatever PV's Invitational card is that I can never remember the name of. Uh, these sort of things is what I'm imagining. I mean, even at the bottom end, you could have Thraven Inspector and you could you know, be in another color. You could have Reflector Mages or... And you can't have Spellqueller because it's a sorcery, but it's the sort of thing where I, I can imagine you're building a deck in such a way that you can get a lot of value out of this. Yeah, it's just so tough to build these decks because you want to max out on free drops, but you need your curve not to suck too much. And at least Company comes down on turn four and it's pretty big swing. This one, to get two permanents, you have to wait till at least turn five. And it's sorcery speed. I, I don't really see it. If if only it got that Fable, maybe. If it got Fable of the Mirror Breaker. <laughs> yeah, that's right. It's just artifacts and creatures. So yeah. it, it would be cool if a card like that was was good, maybe. It reminds me of kind of like, you know, Genesis Wave or the um the Hydra as well from Genesis Hydra. And, and yeah. anyway, I, I'm 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 not I'm not thoroughly convinced, but I think that if you want to be a non-green enters the battlefield trigger deck, I think this is a good card. All right. Should we right. get lay down arms out of the way? Yeah, let's do that one fast. Lay down the arms. White sorcery. One white sorcery. 
Exile target creature with mana value less than or equal to the number of planes you control. Its controller gains free life. New source flashes. Yeah, I think that in modern you have just way better options, ending, etc. I think that in Pioneer, the, the main white deck is mono white aggro. You're playing Mutavolt, Sheffet Dunes, Castle. You're not even going to always have enough planes to get rid of whatever you want to get rid of. You make them gain free life, which is bad because you're aggro. It does exile, it does, does kill a troll with only three planes. But I'm not seeing it. I think maybe that card will be good and good enough for standard. Or maybe that that Yurion deck that people play, the mono white splashing black sometimes, but usually splashing red for Fable. Maybe it's a little better in a deck like that, especially if you're a Yorion deck, so you, you want portable hold, but maybe you want extra removal spell. Uh, I think that card's just not very exciting. Yeah, not much for me. Right. But... Well let, let me let me let me throw my two cents in. So, you know, I, I agree with you that it's not, it's, it, it's not, it doesn't, it's not Sword Splashes, it's not Path to Exile, it's not Prismatic Ending, but it checks mana value, and so you don't need to have a huge number of planes for it to be particularly, particularly powerful, even in the early to mid game. So, you know, one, two, three planes in play will answer most threats that you're going to come across in a format like Pioneer. White decks, in particular blue-white, has been desperate for decent one mana interaction particularly one mana interaction that goes to the graveyard so you can take advantage of cards like dig through time and this is another card that kind of you know that, that goes to the graveyard it answers trouble troublesome permanence and most importantly like you pointed out gabbard exiles i wouldn't be surprised if this is like a one or two of in a blue white deck that is skewed a little bit more heavily towards the white side of things mm. okay Anything else in white? I don't really see anything enticing. Uh, let me let me let me pull up my list just to be careful. Oh, I definitely have one card at least. I've got two more, which might be honestly uh, one of the strongest card, even though it's not the most exciting. But it's recruitment officer, one white for two one, human mm. soldier creature, and it has an ability a white and free activated ability look at the top four cards of your library you may reveal a creature card with mana value three or less among them and put it into your hand put the rest on the bottom of your library in a random order so it's a savannah savannah lions was the right type human and even soldier now is could be really good and yeah it just kind of takes over the late game like a spectral sailor would you play uh, the soldier of the pantheon in these mono white decks uh, aggro decks i think that's not that great you play Kithian, which is decent, but I think that card's probably an upgrade to to Mono White, and we'll almost definitely see play. Yep, I like this card. It might not be the sort of thing you play four copies of, but if you you know you want that tenth, eleventh, twelfth, thirteenth Savannah line in your deck, this is a really good choice for that. Just that little bit of extra late game late game card advantage. I can see it going a fair way, and just, you know as we've talked about a couple of times. Uh, this mono white deck is uh, is a real player in Pioneer, I think. All right, did you have anything left, Pat? I do. Another another white card that goes to the graveyard. Uh, Soul Partition. Uh, one white, one colorless instant. Exile target, online permanent. For as long as that card remains exiled, its owner may play it. A spell cast by an opponent this way costs two more colors to cast. So it essentially has that uh, permanent tax effect that 
PVs in the Invitational card that I never remember the name of has. Uh, and it's got a cover or removal spell for two mana. I've been building my blue-white control decks in Pioneer historically to have copy a copy of, or two of, can't remember the name of the card now. One white, one colors. Destroy a creature or planeswalker. They get a they get a clue. Fateful um, absence. What was it called? Sorry. Fateful absence. Fateful absence. That's the one. Yeah, it's not a card that I think is particularly powerful, but that slot on the curve is really quite. Uh, it's it's quite important to have something in that slot that that answers both creatures and planeswalkers that are in play, even if it does come at a large downside. I actually see a card like Soul Partition being effectively uh, comparable in that slot. You know, these these, these blue-white control decks, they want to take over the game with powerful things on turn four, five, six. And if your opponent, if you just delay that that threat from your opponent, the the troll, the Khan, uh, or, or, or any, any Planeswalker or mana ramp that they have, it's so much less impactful when you've had that time to set up and they have to pay extra mana to cast it. I think it's the sort of card that can just like lay down arms maybe it's maybe it's not great but it plays a role that blue white control has been looking for and it goes to the graveyard and so it fuels dig through time yeah i think that card i thought that card was really bad or not good enough to be playable but thinking about it specifically in the pioneer lens you mentioned faithful absence and even though i don't really like these cards that give value to your opponent. I felt like it was always pretty decent with Teferi here of Dominaria because if you play it in the early turns and they spend two mana to draw cards, you're not that unhappy, honestly, just because your cards are so powerful. If you're curving into Wandering Emperor, Deluge, Teferi, sure, pay two mana to draw a card on turn four. I'll, you'll have that extra card, but I have these snowbally cards, so it doesn't even matter. And this is a bit of the same. Like, sure, you have your spell later, it's pretty cool because it, it kills the Fable token. Sure, they get to draw this card and the token later, but I feel like the you know when they play Fable, usually what you need to get rid of is the 2-2 right away. And that card works great against tokens. And it exiles, which is huge uh, on Troll. You can't Fateful Absence a Troll, obviously. Uh, that's just not a, a winning trade. Whereas that, okay, you, you exile it. They don't get the Devotion right away. They can play it again a few turns later, but... If by then you have Teferi on tapping, then the troll's probably not that big of a deal. Um, you know, Fable, Troll, I'm not sure if there's other great examples. Against a Monoite deck, I guess. Um, maybe Monoite's different story because the, the decks are, I don't know, the games against Control are pretty grindy and them having that extra card is a big deal. But I guess it exiles so they can't get it back was extraction specialist right away so yep, it, right. it has a lot of like cool applications in pioneer i guess and yeah it's pioneer in particular shot. where there's yeah. that, ab- that absence of absence of two mana instant speed removal in you know blue eye control that it really makes up for a lot of i really i think i'm gonna you know play it start with a couple of copies of this, couple couple of copies of this and see how it goes that's fair all right i still had one white card at siege veteran it's two and a white for a two-two creature, human soldier. It has the Luminarch Aspiring ability. At the beginning of combat on your turn, put a plus one plus one counter on target creature you control. And it has a passive that says, whenever another non-token soldier you control dies, create a one-one colorless soldier artifact creature token. Meaning, 
If you're attacking and they want to block, your soldier all of a sudden you're getting a 1-1, one, one, or if they cast a verdict, you get one or two tokens. He doesn't trigger it for its for himself, Siege Veteran, but if you have other soldiers, you have a bunch of 1-1s one behind. It competes on the free slot. You've got Adeline. You've got you know a few other free mana cards, I guess. I think that card's pretty solid. I haven't been blown away playing against Adeline. Um, yeah, I don't know. It, it might be good enough. I think it's worth mentioning. I don't have a huge amount to say about that card other than what what you said. All right. I think it's going to oh. be held back by the fact that it doesn't protect itself. Like it doesn't give value for itself. So it can just be it can be the first target of removal and trades for zero value. But it's yeah, got a lot of the right things written on it. Yeah. Right, wanna, blue? I guess there's all these artifacts. They're all all the white ones are somewhat decent. Should we go over them real quick? If you'd I mean, like it might to, be yeah. a long app, but yeah, yeah, whatever, that's fine. Go for, go for the ones you want to talk about. I, I actually didn't think any of them were particularly interesting, except for maybe Urza Silex. So you've got the weird artifacts that you can cast for different mana costs. Yeah, Prototype and, is the name of the ability. Yeah, the first one is Autonomous Assembler, 5 mana for 4-5 Vigilance. It's an assembly worker artifact creature, and it has one tap, put a plus one, plus one counter on target assembly worker you control. Since it has vigilance, you can play it, attack with it, and then put the counter. Um, and it, you can also play it for two mana, which is probably the more interesting part. It's a two, two, four, two. So you play it on two, turn three, you attack with it, you tap it, pump itself. You've got a free, free attacking that can keep growing. If you top that clay in the game, you had a four, five right away. I, I kind of went over it, and some people seem to think that it's kind of okay. I like that it has Vigilance. I hadn't, I hadn't kind of put that all together. Yeah, I agree. Vigilance huge yeah. there, if ever a card sees play. Yeah. You've also got the more exciting one. It's a white and two for a 1-1 double strike, and when it enters the battlefield, you draw a card. So this you can play it. Thresher, yeah. yeah, you can play it. You draw a card. If you can blink it somehow, it comes back as a free-free double strike. It's seven mana for a free-free or three mana for a one-one. So I really, you know, these cards are targeted. These cards, these cards are sort of targeted at standard power level. But that's a, that's like again, it's got it's got the right words on it. Yeah, it could be okay in the heroic deck. There's you know a version in in pioneer. There's a version in standard. It's you know, you've got Virtuoso, which was kind of the good one, the 1-1-4-2 one, one, double strike that has, like, connive whenever you target it or something, and that's oh, yeah. not a bad follow-up, you know. it Cantripping is a pretty big deal because you run out of resources pretty fast in these decks, and card, card has a few things going for it. Um, there's the Angel one that's probably pretty mediocre. I guess we can't talk about every card. There's Urza Silex, which is the new disc. Yeah, so this there's already been a new disc. I mean, they printed Khan Silex, but now we have those mm -hmm. Silex. So this is mm -hmm. uh, three colors for a legendary artifact, and it has activated ability as two white, two colors tap, exile Urza Silex. Each player chooses six lands they control, destroy all other permanents, activate this only as a sorcery. And if Urza Silex is put into exile from the battlefield, you can pay two colors. And if you do, you search your library for a Planeswalker card, reveal it, and put it in your hand and shuffle. So, there's a lot of this is a pretty powerful card, obviously. Uh, you know, complete a complete uh, sweeper of all permanents, even excess land. So, 
And if you got, you know, you can, it doesn't come into play tap, so you can activate it straight away if you got all the mana. So for seven mana, you can just play it and activate it immediately. For nine mana, you can play it, activate it, and go get your copy of whatever Planeswalker of your choice. It's a pretty powerful card, but I don't really see the need for a seven mana kind of all up for a sweeper in white in, in format like Pioneer, and certainly not in a format like Modern. Yeah, and it's sorcery speed only, which that, is that, that does hold it back a lot more. Yeah, if you could do yeah. that end step, it'd be pretty busted. <laughs> yeah, no, we we should mention that card, but I'm I'm not seeing it. Yeah, neither. I think it's all all too weak. Right. What all about right, blue? blue what about blue cards? Uh, uh, I guess I'll go first. First blue card, Phalagi Archaeologist. It's a blue and a one O three for human scouts. Two mana human scout. When it enters the battlefield, mail three cards. You may put a non-creature, non-land card from among the cards mailed this way into your hand. If you don't, put a plus one, plus one counter on the Archaeologist. So it's a little like Augur of Bolus, but much better. <laughs> I used to hate Augur of Bolus. I thought that card was trash. It just bricked all the time. The body was bad. And this card is much, much better. It's non-creature, non-land, meaning you can hit artifacts, you can hit an set. Etc. Etc. It's not just incident sorcery. The cards go to your graveyard, so it fuels treasure cruise and dig. And if you do get unlucky and break, you get a one four instead of a one three. So, mm. you know, I could see that card being played in small numbers. It actually protects your Narset. It's a decent play against something like Athalia. Obviously, you need to balance these cards if you're playing Narset. If you're playing these kind of cards, the more copies you play, the worse they, they get because you can you can hit them off each other and you can break more often. But this is an, a good version of Agar of Bolas. Hmm. Yeah. Something that actually I think you guys would miss is the rarity of this card is, is common. Yeah. And in Pauper, I don't know if you guys know, but Blue-Black Self Mill is a really powerful Ooh. deck right now with uh four gurmag angler and four of the serpent with war two well, it's like five yeah. blue reduced by one for every instant sorcerer in the graveyard and that deck plays four augur bolus already <gasps> so now you get to play four of these instead you play four consider you play four thought scour it's not actually thought scour it just says blue mill to draw a card you mean mental note? um yeah and so this to me is a very scary addition to be honest to that deck mm. because that deck was already very powerful you play uh not the black dismember if you control a swamp you, you destroy snuff, snuff out snuff out you play snuff out you play gurmags and the, Dude, snuff the out serpents and the mills counterspell four counterspells so you want to get into pauper i mean look they're printing pauper playables in this set that deck is definitely going to get buffed by this right. what do you think about the card pet that's 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 a good spot for Pauper. I, I mean, I'm one of the biggest Augur of Bolas apologists of all time. I've cast so many Augur of Bolas in my time, and I've not won very many matches of Magic doing so. But I love the <laughs> card. Uh, I didn't see this on the. I didn't see this when I was going for the spoiler. Um, I don't think it's good enough. In I was looking through the lens of Pioneer in particular and and Modern to a lesser extent. I just don't see it making the cut. But I, I it, if you want Augur of Bolas, it's definitely an upgrade. I do like being able to hit Planeswalkers off of it. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Okay, I'm going to be that guy. Moving on from that. Teferi Temporal Pilgrim. Three okay. blue blue. Right, eh? 
Uh, I'm gonna. We should talk about this card because I'm sure people want to hear our opinions on it. Yeah, I, sure. But yeah, three blue blue legendary planeswalker. Whenever you draw a card, put a loyalty counter on Teferi, the static ability. Has a zero draw card. It's minus two is to create a two two blue blue spirit token with vigilance. And whenever you draw a card, put a plus one plus one counter on this creature. And the minus twelve is. You know, whenever target opponent chooses a permanent they control and returns it to its owner's hand, then they shuffle each non-land permanent they control into its owner's library. But it comes in with four loyalty. So it comes in with four. You can zero it to draw a card and put it up to five. Zero is essentially plus one. The minus two is interesting because you can minus two, then on your next turn you draw a card, you put a counter on your Teferi, you can minus two again because your draw steps counters, counters. But I guess the... The general discussion I saw on the casual side of Twitter is, oh, this must be better than Teferi Hero of Dominaria because you get to both win the game, draw cards, and b build board pressure whilst upticking your Planeswalker. I'm going to be honest, I don't think it's the best Planeswalker in the world, but in my opinion, what is the difference between Blue-Black Control and Blue-Black Control and Pioneer is that Blue-Black Control has the better Planeswalkers. So I'm not saying this is a, an amazing Teferi, but Gab, Blue Black Control and Pioneer, is this something that you could see yourself wanting? I found Ashok to be a little expensive. Five mana planeswalkers have like soaring a bit more. I feel like that card's a little too expensive and doesn't get rid of an annoying permanent right away. It does snowball insanely hard though. So maybe, maybe that's worth it, but in my experience, it's more about, oh, I'm dead on board against green. You know, I'm dead mm. on board against all these decks. I need something good. And, you know, I've been boarding out to Ferry here on Dominaria when I play blue-white against a lot of these decks. Well, not against green, but green you get to untap and have counterspell mana up. Um, it's tough. It, it is insanely powerful, but I feel like it's a little too expensive. Also, people are playing Dispute, uh, Spell Pierce in their main deck of Phoenix. So, you know, Dispute in the sideboards, Pithing Needles of Karn. So, what is your tech against uh, Red Black in the sideboard? Could you see this as a sideboard card for Red Black? They have Dreadbore, so you get a card to kill it with Dreadbore. Sure, it's a two for one, but it costs you, you know, a bunch of mana. Uh, I think I'd rather, you know, for blue-black, I don't think there's anything great you can do if you're blue-black to beat a red-black. Like, there's no one or two card that's going to, even Scarab God and stuff, It's you just need to make your deck as, mm. ha have as many built-in two-for-ones as possible. If you, I think that's the way to, be able to, to beat red-black. But then if you have, like, kind of mopey two-for-ones, then these cards are usually not that great against mono-green. You know, if I was building, just in theory, you know, if I was building a blue-black just to build red-black, I would play a bunch of Narsets. I would play probably four Micromancers, the card I've been playing. Just because it's two for, you know, you add up all these two-for-ones to fight up their two-for-ones. And I think that's, that's how, because they have Answer, you know, they have Thoughtseize, they have Dreadbores, they have their own two-for-ones. So you need, you need to draw a lot of these and, um... Yeah, I think that card's going to be good for Standard and Pioneer. I'm not sure. I don't think so. I will say, I think that uh, the one thing I think that has going for it is the 
is that the minus two to make the the spirit is becomes a genuine threat if it remains in play. It's not just like you're making a two two and it stays a two two. That card's going to be like a four four when you. It's a four four by the time it attacks on the, on on the first turn. Like that's that that's that's real a real deal. And that, like Harry pointed out, like you know, you can't ever expect to play this over over to fairy hero of Dominaria, but. If your non-blue-white blue deck is looking for a five drop, it might be it might be the way to go. I really do think that the minus two is very powerful, and do neither of you mentioned that. Yeah, I mean, you could play them in combo with Teferi, right? You could play two and two, maybe, or three. Ah, there's one, no, there's whatever. no way. There's no way. I mean, you're already not playing four copies of Teferi here of Dominaria, and like, you know, ideally you you would, but this is not really space, and you're not playing four Wandering Emperor, but you would. I don't see it being the being necessary in that deck but in blue black i could maybe see it but like i think the point that you made about needing to be as efficient as possible against red black with what your two for ones are and then having mopey cards like this versus uh green is just not going to cut it yeah and i think if you want to play it in phoenix you're maybe better off playing jace wielder of mysteries the four mana one because it comes down the one cheaper it's self mails which is nice with phoenix and treasure cruise hmm yeah, so, so I really like the I, I like the card, and I'd be excited to see what happens with it in standard. Yeah. Yeah. So I, my, my my next card is uh, one that we just went past though. It's a stern lesson. It's a uh, one blue, two colors, instant. Draw two cards, then discard a card, and create a tapped power stone token. So this doesn't read very well on its surface because we've been conditioned to believe that power stones are uh, cards that don't do anything. But hear me out. This sets up. Torrential Gearhog really, really well. Uh, you know, Gearhog's obviously an artifact, so you can use the Power Stone to help to help cast it, so it ramps you into it. It also lets you discard a card, so it fuels the graveyard for both cards of flashback with Torrential Gearhog, but it also builds the graveyard so that you can cast a card like Dig Through Time and then cast your Gearhog, and then you can flash flashback the Dig. If there was a way of building a deck that you could kind of take advantage of, like, of... of having lots of power stones in play so maybe you have some like a good five drop artifact or something like that i could see this card being being a kind of new direction to go with a blue deck in pioneer yeah were you watching my stream this afternoon i was watching a little bit of it yeah that's the card i'm most excited about for the new set i did i didn't i didn't hear that part i know that you were pioneer yeah i was thinking the exact same stern lesson power gear halt maybe magma opus version i've historically not hated the deck, but always thought it was pretty weak. All these Magma Opus deck, whether it's in Historic or Pioneer, whatever. But I feel like Stern Lesson could be the perfect card. Drams you into Gearhulk. Yeah, I mean, Gearhulk one turn sooner is just such such a big deal. It sets up nicely. You can maybe play Sky Sovereign or something something else. You know, maybe other Gearhulk, Black Gearhulk, White Gearhulk. Um, yeah. But... um. Yeah, that's kind of the first deck I, I I might build, honestly. And the nice thing, it's it's a common, so even if the set comes out on Magic Online just one or two days before, should be pretty easy to get. And I was thinking, you know, just super basic. There's blue-red control, fiery impulse, make disappear and sensor on two, fable and stern lesson on three. Uh, the the new Sahili will 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 get to it. I think that card's really powerful. Yeah, and then same. Some some Gear Hulk, 
and some spells to flashback or i guess magma opus i, I would probably start with magma opus and mm. I'm not sure i would i would try and fit yeah. in digs as well yeah also another card on our list that we're going to talk about that is an artifact and we, we could potentially go on the deck is arcane proxy which is the um the prototype uh, creature that flashes an instant or sorcery back from your graveyard with mana value less than or equal to its power yeah i mean we can talk about it now i think right yes harry wanted to talk about stern lesson it's also common you think that card would be good in popper it also oh it also powers shark typhoon you can cycle uh oh, right that's nice cycle bigger shark typhoons not too sure about this being good in popper to be honest you do have a lot of good cantrips in popper because don't forget brainstorms is common and yeah. stuff like this so the bar's pretty high I, I would definitely not have it at the top of the list okay. right well then i had one card between uh arcane proxy and now uh but let's let's do arcane proxy now so arcane no. proxy is a seven mana artifact creature wizard it's a four three and has a text when it enters the battlefield if you cast it exile target instant or sorcery card with mana value less than or equal to arcane proxy's power from your graveyard copy that card and you can cast a copy without paying its mana cost and its prototype cost is one colors and two blue for two one so this is kind of a a mopey snapcaster for, that's legal in pioneer you know flashing back one and two mana spells is, is pretty 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 good you get a decent amount of value the body the body is not great but there are certainly it certainly trades with with interesting things it uh, it blocks fable and mirror breaker tokens uh, it actually synergizes quite nicely with Fable the Mirror Breaker. Oh no, it only works if you cast it. Sorry, yeah. So that that doesn't that doesn't synergize there at all. But you know, we've been you know we we're always on the lookout for kind of ways to you know power up and get good two for ones in these blue decks. I mean, Gab was describing in blue black before, like he just wants efficient two efficient two for ones, and this is much better, a much more efficient two for one than some of the options that are currently available, leaving behind a decent body versus red black. Yeah, I, I think people were excited about that card. I'm having a hard time seeing it outside of exactly in a Shredder deck. I feel like that's exciting. Go turn one Cantrip or Removal or Thoughtseize into Shredder, into Proxy, because you cast a card so you get two spells on turn three. Mm. Besides, I, I don't think it's good enough to play in, you know, in Blue-Red. You already have Fable and it seems a little underwhelming you also cannot flash back uh, if you cast it for seven i got made fun of i, I mentioned memory deluge but if you cast deluge for no mana you see no card so that doesn't work yeah you can flash back the whole behold the multiverse or whatever yeah um yeah as i said i think exactly in a shredder deck maybe if you're trying to not i mean that sounds kind of sick right thought season to shredder into into proxy thoughts is you again that sounds like exactly the sort of deck that i would waste hundreds of tickets on another downside is that if you try and chain them you just might legit not have a second instant you know you might have an instant for the first one but then if your next turn for play was just arcane proxy you might just get a 2-1 for free so that's not um you know who knows if you don't draw up that you have probably have to play both up and consider and removal you know, to, to to make it good enough um, yeah i mean but there's there's, a, there's actually in blue black there's a good density of one mana spells that are genuinely good yeah it's a cool card no it, it is and 
it could it could be good enough, but it, I mean, also like it's hard to rate all these cards that have different casting costs. How often do you get to play it for seven and it wins you the game because you did? That's pretty hard to assess. Yeah, I mean, I, when I've been reading it, I've just been reading the the cheaper of the two costs as being like I'm never going to cast the other side of it, but it will come up. Yeah, yeah. you will cast the four three side of this. Harry, you like Snapcaster Mage? How do you feel about this? Honestly, I'm kind of past my Snapcaster Mage era. Anyone who sees anything resembling something that they can have nostalgia for Snapcaster again, they'll spend time <laughs> trying to convince you that it'll work to justify their pre-order of like $60 a card. <laughs> okay, yeah. So I'm going to say that this card is going to flop. This is the truth, actually. You're being very sensible. <laughs> yeah. What, what's the uh, what's the next card we're looking at? Well, I was looking at Urza's Command. Which is okay. really? Oh, okay. I just—I mean, I literally—I was looking at it. All right. So Urza's command, two blue, two colorless, instant. Choose two of the four of four abilities. Creatures you don't control get minus two, minus zero until end of turn. Create a tapped Power Stone token. <laughs> Create a tapped zero zero colorless construct artifact creature. So it's a construct with a you know it gets plus one plus one for every artifact you control. Or scry one, then draw a card. Poop. Yeah. yeah. Let's some time. We can save some time. Yeah. I mean, the, what I was looking at is the default mode of just making a two-two and a ramp spell. We were talking. We already had spoken about stone lesson making power stones being meaningful. So I was wondering if this was the sort of card that could kind of sneak in there as you know, playing a few roles. I do. I do like that it's it's fitting in the mold of a, a good command where it's flexible enough that it does. It has. It can always be used even in a kind of. You can you can always go two for one out of this. You don't have to like set up some kind of weird weird thing. Like it always makes a body and draws a card, or ramps you ramps you makes a body. I think this is probably going to see some standard play, but it's a uh, yeah probably to a bridge too far in Pioneer. All right, who's got Most something next? Definitely. I think we could move on to black. Yeah, I think so let's, too. Let's you got a black card gap. Let's be a little cutthroat. Let's talk about diabolic intent because. Aaron's been mentioning that card for some reason. People right. seem to be obsessed. It's a reprint. It's a sorcery, a black and one. You have to sack a creature as an additional cost. And it's Demonic Tutor. Search your library for a card. Put that card into your hand and shuffle any card in your deck. People are talking about that card in sack, sacking my cat to get the oven. I just think that's not how magic works. You're not going to win these games. It's just way too big on advancement. People have been talking about that card in the Grease Fang. You can literally play, I always forget the name of that card, the Green Green Eldritch One. Evolution. Eldritch Evolution. Yeah, um, it, it's just so hard. That card was not really played the first time around, pretty much ever. Not that I know of. And I think it's going to be the same way this time. You do have... You know, supplier, unlock your witness. You have some. You need at least eight good one drops that you're kind of excited to sack to it, and you also probably need a few silver bullets. Need something like like a bull of citadel. Um, I think that card's just much worse than deadly dispute, and people play four of these, but people usually don't max out on village rights, and I feel like a card like that's just overall worse than village rights as well. So I'm not seeing it. Yeah. I definitely think the card's not great. The fact that I don't see Eldritch Evolution consistently being cast in Modern or Pioneer makes me think that this card's not going to be great. Also, I think that 
it's just way too slow. I mean, we're all going to think the same thing, right? Do you have any differing opinion, Pat? All right. Uh, for, the, for the sake of the discourse, I will say that you can sacrifice this to Arboreal Grazer in... You can sacrifice Arboreal Grazer to this, sorry, in uh, the Lotus Field combo decks. It can either find you a Lotus Field, which is not really the very easiest thing to do on turn two to have black mana. But, I mean, that deck's looking for tutors and benefits okay. a lot from being able to, to tutor its deck tutor through its deck so i mean diabolic intent can possibly see some play there they also have the zero tumbling sands as another another creature that they could cast um i definitely agree that it's not the sort of card that red black sacrifice is looking for that deck runs out of steam pretty you know if it, it, it so it cuts a deadly dispute in village rights are definitely the way i'd be wanting to turn you want to kind of like build this critical mass of things this generating generating permanence not look for one specific thing and this is a pure combo card in my opinion and if you're not using it to go and find something that's going to win you the game on the spot basically then i don't think it's worth worth the time but it's it, it's a powerful effect like demonic tutor is a powerful powerful magic card it just requires a sort of situation to be right for for you to want it and people talking about putting in their value decks i just they, they don't know what this card's supposed good for just go play deadly, deadly dispute that card's really good Mm. All right, who's Definitely. going next? All right, next we've got Gix, yeah, Young Predator, Black Black One for a free free legendary creature, Phyrex and Predator. Whenever a creature deals combat damage to one of your opponents, its controller pay, may pay one life. If they do, they draw a card. So you play a bunch of two creatures, you play that on free, you attack. If you deal damage, you start drawing a bunch of cards, paying life. A bit like Florian, the vamp, the red, black, one vamp, free, free, first strike, except you have to play the cards right away, so better. And it has a seven mana activated ability. Triple black and four, discard the X cards, exile the top X cards of target opponent's library. You may play lands and cast spells from among cards, exile this way without paying their mana cost. So you just, yeah, pay a lot of mana, discard a bunch of cards, and get to play a bunch of their cards for free. Seems like a really powerful ability if you ever get to use it. Um, I think this card is really good, but it is a legend, so I don't think you can play more than two or three copies. And right now, there's not a tier one black aggressive deck, even though there's been, you know, mono black aggros around. You've got vamps, you've got mono black zombie list that actually plays Lazotep Reaver, which is one to a mass, get a one one, so. It gives you two creatures on turn two. So potentially you can have three creatures in play when you play that card on turn three if you want to. Um, yeah, it's. It, I thought it would, when I first saw it, I was like, man, that card's going to be really, really good. And, um, you know, I'm not so sure it has a, a, a great home and it, it competes with other good free drops. So um, we'll see. It, it, it's interesting. Is is a card that you can only play like maybe a, can you, is it re, a is it reasonable to play more than two copies of a, a legendary free drop in your deck, and and b is it I don't know as good as it looks is it going to make you know no one's really playing mono black it's a super fringe deck right now, and in red black I don't think you you should be playing that card if you're not playing one drops. No, I certainly so, not a red black card. Yeah, so I'm, it's it's a tough one for me. I this. It's in, almost in conflict with itself because it's the sort of card that you want to build your deck around in a lot of respects. Like you want to make card choices that might we otherwise be suboptimal so that you could maximize the power of this card on turn three. Like you're describing Lazarus Tap Reader and stuff like that. Like that's not a good magic card. 
But like, if you were always going to cast Gix on turn three, it would be pretty good magic card. But then, yeah. like you say, you don't want to have all these copies of this legendary three drop in your deck because you get flooded. Yeah, I, I think it's in a tough spot to succeed. I think it, w- it probably will see play, and you know, like you said, people play to play a couple of copies and you know see how that goes, and maybe it's really good. But the format's not that well set up to interact with like people just flooding the board with Savannah Lions. Like it, you could, I could see it being pr- pretty scary. The second ability, it bothers me a lot because it requires you to get the seven mana. So like, but then it also asks you to discard cards. So normally what you would do with these sort of abilities, you would sandbag your excess lands and then discard them, but you have to play them to get the seven mana as well. So I, I don't really see yeah. it having this. I don't, I, that is really very much flavor text in my opinion. I don't think it's going to come up very often because I can't imagine a deck where you're making seven mana naturally with cards in hand that's taking advantage of it that also wants the first ability, which you're playing the card yeah. for in the first place. So, yeah. But you're drawing cards, hopefully, yeah. and maybe you have Castle Lockdwin, and it's not like you need to discard five cards. Even if you discard one card, you know, you get in the late game, and every time you draw a land, you discard, you pay seven, discard a card, and you get a free shot, you know? And yeah. thinking about it some more, I think people did, I mean, I played a bit of that standard, and I think people did just play four Florian because it was that good. So maybe right. you just play four gigs, you discard extra copies. Uh, to each other or to, to the ability or you discard him to Liliana who cares maybe it's just that good and you just always want to curve yeah. into it but, but you the, do need to play a lot of one you know, like you need to play all the one the one drop versions yeah. just really snowball was it which you know it's something that's people played in Pioneer before so maybe maybe this deck makes a comeback and maybe Gix is just super busted alright we're going to try to keep it a little more concise and if you know we skip a card it means you know we probably don't think it's good enough so next we've got gixian puppeteer four mana a black and free for four free for x and warlock whenever you draw your second card each turn each opponent loses two life and you gain two life and when it dies you return another target creature card was mana value free or less from your graveyard to the battlefield so it could be a nice addition to a jump sack deck you can bring back devil um, you know, Blood Thighs Harvester, etc. You can trigger, you can get a second draw when you cast Deadly Dispute, Village Rights, Blood Token. So nice little value. It's not as powerful as something as, like a Shieldred, but it maybe has a little more synergy and it could see some play in the, the SAG decks, I think. Yeah, I, I'm, I actually think this card is as, as, at least as good of a contender for the Shieldred slot in a lot of decks as... Uh... Uh, as children obviously i think like if you've got mopey creatures coming around that you want to return then the triggered abilities are roughly the same if you're able to trigger the the one for gixian puppeteer and so i think this could probably see some play in like one or two ofs in the right deck all right what did you have next well i've got misery's shadow which is uh one black and one colorless creature shade it's two two and it has if a creature would be an opponent controls would die exile it instead and then it has one colorless Misery Shade gets plus one, plus one until end of turn. So this is like the new Nantugo Husk. Has none of the mono black, not, not Nantugo Husk, Nantugo Shade. Has none of the mono black synergies anymore. They're typically associated with Shade, but it's like got the Hate Bearer body and then, you know, this kind of scalable uh, pumping effect and turn it into a genuine threat later in the game. You just dump all your mana into it and it's like, you know, a must kill card essentially for control. I see this card making a pretty solid impact in Pioneer. You don't have to play too many copies of it because you know it gets worse in multiples but 
the, the exile clause is really quite relevant for a lot of important creatures that make black's life difficult you know someone puts like a troll an, an old growth troll or a, a cavalier of thorns into play against you that's a pain you know you have to like fight through multiple different versions of the card uh but this uh, the exile gets around that obviously uh, obviously good against phoenix as well and it being stable to like a genuinely good threat standalone threat means that i can uh, i can imagine this cutting it, it almost reminds me of scavenging in a lot of way a lot of ways yeah i know that card looks good to me i agree with most of what you said i'm not sure you're going to get a phoenix very often but card is solid really hard to rate how often does you know, you're going to be attacking people for 8 damage and just killing them out of nowhere. But card is definitely like super solid stat. The second point of toughness is nice. You don't just die to spike field hazard, etc. Yeah, definitely. All right. I think that was it for black. Unless you had something, Harry. I guess we should quickly mention just a card that people seem hype about. Phyrexian Flesh Gorger. It's one of these prototype cards it's either a free free menace lifeling for black black one and it has ward pay life equal to its power so if you want to try and kill it you have to pay free life and for seven mana you get a seven five menace lifelink with the same ward ability i see a tough competition with trespasser liliana fable etc but the stats are good this is potentially a sideboard card i think why do you think it's more of a sideboard card just because of the lifelink? Yeah, I think if you just want that kind of lifelink body. It's, it's got lifelink, it's cheap, and it has you know, big power. All right, yeah. I think that card's fine. I can't see it being much better than the other freeze, but maybe, maybe I'll see play. All right, I guess we're on to red. Yeah. I mean, the first card on my list, honestly, red didn't have very many exciting things, and I just have obliterating bolt, which is uh, one red, one color sorcery that deals four damage to a creature or planeswalker and if that creature or planeswalker would die, exiled. Mm. You know, so this... Better lava coil. Yeah, it's just strictly better lava coil slash the other one, and people were already playing lava coil in, in Pioneer in the red-green deck and a few other decks. So, yeah, solid card. There's also Brother's Hood End, which is red, red, one sorcery. Choose one. Free damage to each creature and each planeswalker, or destroy all artifacts with mana value three or less. That one might be actually better in modern because of hammer time destroying the artifacts and stuff. Yeah, I can. Or maybe, that. yeah, maybe even in legacy, just getting rid of chalice, trinospheres, artifact lands, etc. In pioneer, why not? There's anger. It, you know, maybe you don't want to exile your own phoenix. It also finishes off in our set. A little versatility. I'm not sure it's a game changer because these effects already exist somewhat, but it could be, you know, the, a one of in a Phoenix deck. Mm. And yeah, red, not a ton. Yeah. You mentioned uh, there's one card we'll talk about later, The one of the prototype cards, the one that melts was Mishra. And there's also an enchantment called Visions of Phyrexia, which kind of draws you an extra card a turn and makes a power stone, but... I'm not sure the rate is, is good enough. Nah, I'm, not, I'm not convinced that card's better than, you know, Outpost Siege or whatever, and those cards have existed in Pioneer for a while and not seen any play. Yeah. Right, green. What are we going in green? All right, in green, you had a card I didn't have in my list. Maybe for I had it more for standard. You had Bushwhack. Yeah, right. So Bushwhack is one green sorcery. Choose one. Search your for a basic land, reveal it, and put it in your hand. Or target creature you control fights a creature you don't control. So it's prey upon slash lay of the land. 
split card. Uh, yeah, probably aimed more at standard uh, power level, but I've seen these red-green decks, red-green aggro decks, do well intermittently in Pioneer Online. It's the sort of card that could see a bit of play in a deck like that. Those decks want to go up the curve a bit, so they want to keep making their land drops. You know, they want to cast uh, a Seeker's Chariots and Sky, Sky Silver and Console Flagship. Uh, but they also you know, have put bodies into play and get into fights. And I can imagine just having a copy or two of Bushwhack in their deck, kind of, you know, in that kind of 25th land slot, you know, playing two roles in multiple matchups. So it's, it's a card that I, I think is, you know, does two things pretty reasonably and they're quite far apart from one another. So you get a huge amount of range of scope of utility in the right deck. Yeah, I could see it more maybe a stumpy build, like a monogreen company deck. Yep, I could but, also see it like that too. Yeah. No, the card I like. I love the design. Yeah, same. Uh, what about what about this old favorite though, Fauna Shaman? Uh, for those of you who've not seen it before, one one green, one colors, two two, survival of the fittest. Yeah, tap. That card's never been really Poop. good in any deck or super marginally good, but uh, uh, people are excited it. by it. Oh, I'm glad. <laughs> Um, yeah, no impressed. That's a reprint for the commander players. Yeah. All right. Speaking of reprint, another card that looks kind of cool, but I don't think will actually impact Pioneer or many formats is Obstinate Bailoth. 4 4 for green, green, 2 beast. When it comes into play, you gain 4 life. And when they make you discard the Bailoth, you get to put it in play right away. So if they're leaving on a plus and you discard it, you get a 4 4 into play, which is obviously insanely powerful. A little bit a la Orvar, except especially in tournaments with open deck list, people know if they see it coming, they can just board out their Croxas or be super careful or whatnot. And um, it's not a very versatile sideboard card. I guess against Mono Red, it's, it's kind of okay. Um, maybe against Mono White, it's kind of okay, but not super exciting. So kind of, kind of fringe, but maybe I'm wrong. Harry, you're the mono, the mono green guy. Do you think there's ever a world where you want to put this card in your sideboard? Um, no, I think that... No, definitely not. I, I, I don't think mono red is that bad of a matchup because of old growth troll anyway. Right, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, the, the natural deck that it would go in is a deck like mono green, but you know, they're not particularly afraid of Liliana and they're not particularly afraid of mono red. And they don't like giving up sideboard slots for no reason because they have that wishboard, so... Yeah, I don't, I don't really see a home for this card. Although, you know, it does have, you know, some some obvious kind of like... It's been printed to make sure that Liliana wasn't a huge problem, I think, is is kind of why it's on the in the set. You know, if Liliana was really getting out of hand, at least there's yeah. that thing that people could turn to. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. Anything else in anything else you really like to talk about in, in green? I'm, I've got a, a one-mana artifact that has a green activated ability that I think is pretty good. All right. The Haywire Might, 1-1 one, one for 1. When it dies, gain 2 life. 1 green, 1 color. One, sorry, 1 green. Sacrifice it, exile target, non-creature artifact, or non-creature enchantment. This card's a, as a Saga tutor target. Uh, it's a disenchant that you can wish for with Khan. Uh, it's, it's got a lot of things going for it, I think, in terms of just being cheap and versatile. Yeah, I like it. There's a lot of these cards that are good Saga targets. We didn't talk about all of them. 
but there's a few it's gonna be interesting to see which ones are actually worth it because you can't just fill up your deck with one on four ones that are you know somewhat situational but yeah this, yeah this one's this one's pretty cool all right we into the gold cards now no, nah, there's a really good green card. Um, Which one did I miss? Teething Wormlet. Oh, when I Wormlet. read it, I didn't even know that was a card before this afternoon. And I thought it might legit be the best card in in the set, but I'm not so sure anymore. Anyway, so 1-1 one, one for a green worm. It has Death Touch as long as you have three or more artifacts. And whenever an artifact enters a battlefield under your control, you gain one life. If this is the first time this ability has resolved this turn, put a plus one, plus one counter on it. So technically, you well, you gain the life every time, and you can get a plus one, plus one counter on your turn, one on their turn. I was trying to th- see if you can maybe fit that deck in kind of the same deck I want to play turn lesson in, but realistically, right now, the most obvious use is in Jaunt Food, a bit a la, I mean, the card's a, a bit reminiscent of the Squirrel, mm. the, the, the black-green squirrel, it does, you know, it gains you some life, it grows bigger, it synergizes with food, and I mean, that card seems just really, really good if you get cat oven going, or, you know, it's good with goose, it triggers up trail, uh, it treasures, foods, you name it, so I think that card's kind of exciting. You could also maybe play white green hardened skills as a thing in Pioneer, mm. let, let alone modern. There, there's maybe a decent. I've seen a couple uh, white green skills that look pretty decent. I think this is a, I think this is a standard power level card. I just don't. I think the fact that the scaling is capped at once per turn puts makes it makes it hard to to really be worth worth building around. But you know, the, the, if it's going to find a home, it'll be playing that kind of squirrel role in in John Sacrifice. I think. Yeah, well, with Cat Oven, you can get an artifact on your turn from something and then Cat Oven on their turn to get a... Yeah, you guess you can draw it once per turn cycle, yeah. Twice per turn cycle, yeah. Yeah, maybe maybe it's good enough. Yeah. Titania, we talked a lot about the new Titania. I'm not even going to read it. I'm sure you can figure out what what it is if you're really interested. I think that card just... It's a little too too much of a setup and... It's too 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 big of a build around to to make it work, and then your deck is full of air. And basically, I think Titania's gonna not gonna work. And then there was Titania's command, which is six mana. And I thought it was actually not bad if Monogreen would ever want another six mana spell. I would never play that over Storm the Festival, but six mana, choose two. You get either two two twos. Uh, you can put two plus one plus one counters on all your creatures. You can get two lands and you can exile a player's graveyard, gain one life one life for each card exiled this way. So you choose two. So worst case, quote unquote, you get two four fours. Um, if you have a bunch of else, these get pumped. You can get a Nykthos and a Lair of the Hydra. You can get two Lair of the Hydras. And against Phoenix, you know, you can maybe gain 12 and buy yourself some time. So I feel like that card lines up decently well in in Pioneer and is actually, I feel like you're kind of getting your mana's worth. Um, and yeah, that was it for green. There's some of the artifact creatures. I don't think any of them are super amazing. None, none of the artifact creatures stood out to me as uh, being remotely playable. Yeah, I think my favorite one was maybe the similar room that pumps a creature and has unearthed kind of in maybe hardened scales. Yeah. I, I, I did. Right. I read that one pretty carefully. 
All right, all right. Gold cards. Right. What, what do you guys have? All right. First thing I've got is Hajar, loyal bodyguard, uh, red green, three three, legendary creature, human soldier. Sacrifice Hajar, loyal bodyguard, legendary creatures you control get plus one plus zero and get indestructible until end of turn. Uh, there's been rumors essentially of five color humans in Pioneer and also you know humans in Modern uh, six play every now and then or haven't been in favor for a little while. But this is a kind of got the right creature types. Uh, it does a good job of protecting you against powerful, you know, things that are horrible for you, like sweepers, and you know, good stats, decent cost, and uh, you know, basically, you know, just a powerful, powerful card that might see a couple, a couple of copies of in your deck that protect you against cards like Supreme Verdict or whatnot that fit in the kind of theme of five color legends. Yeah, people have mentioned that card for red green. Actually, not a fan. I feel like it's bad against fiery impulse and push, and that's a huge liability. You know, I feel like one of the annoying things when you play against red black. When I was playing this blue black deck, is they make your push a little awkward because they don't have a ton of two drop. It's yeah, it's all threes. You need to activate revolt. Yeah, exactly. And you're actually that's why you're usually pretty happy when they play an ooze because it's a juicy push target, and. I think if that card's going to be good, I mean, I understand it protects your Chariot and your Sky Sovereign. I feel like that's not going to be super relevant. And yeah, I think if that card's going to be good, it's in that weird Jota deck, Humans Legend deck, or Bard's class. You know, it's Bard's class hungry oh, Bard's for more class, of these. Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, I had another red-green card that's actually maybe better for the specific red green vehicle deck it's arbalas engineers it's a two two for green red and one and when it enters the battlefield you choose one it either pings anything so it can kill an elf you can put a plus one plus one counter on it and gain trample and haste so essentially a free free haste trample or you can create a power stone token which you can then use to curve into, you know, potentially turn free Sky Sovereign or obviously Chariot. So I feel like that card's like kind of perfect for that deck, but the question is, is it good enough? You know, it has tough competition. Yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure I, I see it, but I haven't had any experience playing with or against that deck. I've just seen lists, are, lists around, but you're right. It does, it does fill a lot of important roles. All right, what's next? I have Sahili, Filigree Master. We mentioned it earlier. It's uh, one of the new Planeswalkers. It's two two colors, a blue and a red. It's a Sahili Planeswalker with three loyalty. Plus one, scry one, and you may untap an untapped... You may... you may Sorry, you may tap an untapped artifact you control if you do draw a card. So it can be plus one draw a card. Minus two, create two one one colorless Thopter tokens. They gain haste until end of turn. Or minus... Four, I think it is. Yeah, you get an emblem with artifact creatures you control get plus one plus one and artifact spells you can you cast cost one colorless list. So I think this card's really, really powerful. Uh obviously four mana three loyalty planes or going up to four loyalty to draw a card if you if you can scry one and tap an untap artifact is great. It protects itself really well with its minus two ability, you get two blockers then you can use those block those thopters to tap uh in subsequent turns to draw cards off the plus one ability and it ultimates really fast as well and the and the ultimate presuming a deck is built built around it is you know nothing to sneeze at uh, makes your thopters into genuine threats and you know reduces the cost of artifacts as well so i think this card's the sort of thing where you can build an art build an archetype around it and uh, it's kind of the engine of some kind of blue red artifact deck 
of which I'm sure there will be something that comes out, at least in standard, if not in Pioneer, given the depth of kind of cheap artifacts that, you know, do, you know, various different things that, that have been printed in the last few sets. Yeah, it reminds me a bit of Soren in some ways. You know, you get two power worth of creature for the minus two, you get to draw a card for the plus one. You don't need to build around it, really. It's kind of self-sustaining. That card does seem really powerful. So, yeah, I don't have much to say besides the fact that it feels like more in the old vein of, you know, powerful planeswalkers rather than what they've been doing recently, kind of giving us, which is fine, giving us, you know, like kind of fringe or almost mediocre planeswalkers. Mm. Um, yeah, gold, I had Mishra claimed by Gix. Mishra is a creature that melds with the dragon engine, so it's going to be a lot of text. But, um, all right, I guess I'll start reading real quick. Good. Mishra claimed by Gix, two red and black, a free five legendary creature, Phyrexian human artificer. Whenever you attack, each opponent loses X life and you gain X life where X is a number of attacking creatures so it's a better whatever that card's called hell rider um, hell rider ability and if it and a creature named phyrexian dragon engine are attacking you can and you both own and control them you can exile you, you exile them and you meld them into mishra who's also tapped and attacking all right so the dragon engine is the artifact prototype, the, 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 the red one. It's a 2-2 double strike for free cardless. When it enters a battlefield from your graveyard, you may discard your hand if you do draw free cards. And it has a nurse 5, 2 red and free. So either it's a 2-2 double strike on free, or if it's in your graveyard and you nerf it for 5, you discard your hand, draw free. You can also reanimate it. Um, and, and trigger it, it that way. So basically, I'm trying to see if it's worth it to just put four of these and four Mishra in my Black Rite deck, and you just hope to go turn three that card, turn four Mishra. They're not terrible rates on their own, they're okay. And if you do meld, you get a 9 9 that when it at attacks or enters the battlefield, you choose three of, of its abilities, and they're all great. It's, Mine Rot, Lightning Bolt, Destroy Target Artifact or Planeswalker. Basically, it wins you the game if you meld it. Creature you control gain minus and trample until end of turn. Creatures you don't control get minus one, minus one, and create two tap powers, so and so. I'm looking forward to you entering the battlefield and choosing creatures I control gain menace and trample and make two power stones. Yeah, so <laughs> I'm interested in just putting four of each in a red-black deck and see if it lit, you know, ever comes up. Or if somehow, you know, they're just good enough, um, you know. I think I think that the Mishra having... Mishra has some pretty interesting text. I didn't quite read it like Hellrider. Because I, thought, I think it also needs to attack as well. But it, no, no, it's actually a static ability, isn't it? So it's just whenever you attack, does, Mishra doesn't have to be attacking. That's actually pretty no. pretty pretty reasonable. You know, it comes into play and kind of like, you know, adds a Hellrider, Hellrider text to your attack. Like if you're an aggressive red-black deck, I can imagine that. That card's pretty, pretty yeah. serviceable with the upside of just completely dominating them with the melded side. Yeah, Harry, are we gonna try to to mail Mishra Urza for some clickbait? Mm. <laughs> mm -hmm. 
I don't know, I'll try. I, I've, I've got my eyes set on some initiative cards, commander cards being released on Magic Online oh, for right, uh, right, some right. sweet clickbait there. So we'll see, though. We'll see. Okay. All right. Um, what do we have left, Pat? All right, I've got nothing else in multicolor that I really wanted to talk about, but I really want to talk about Clay Champion. All right, let's talk real quick. Just mention Third Path Iconoclast, which is the better mm. young Pyromancer. 2-1, yeah, Human Monk, Blue-Red. Whenever you cast a non-creature spell, create a 1-1 one, one colorless soldier artifact token. What I really like about this card is it triggers of Narset, it triggers of Fable. One of the things I didn't like about young Pyro is you can't replay. I feel like it's pretty poor to get that into Fable. Uh, this fixes that. It also gives you artifacts for the Sahili. That card's just... Seems super solid, you know. It's not like Young Pyromancer dominates a format, but yeah. it is played. It is a good card. Yeah, I mean, I love Young Pyromancer, but yeah, you know, it was always held back by not triggering off Planeswalkers and all that sort of stuff. All right, well, so White Clay Champion. I saw that card and it seemed kind of mediocre. Yeah. So, right. I just maybe this is a standard card, but it's a Clay Champion is a four colorless and X artifact creature construct. It's a two-two. And it enters the battlefield with three plus one plus one plus one counters on it for each two green mana you spent to cast it. And it enters the battlefield, choose up to two other target creatures you control for each white white you spend to cast Clay Champion, put a plus one plus one counter on each of them. So I just kind of imagine this in mono green being something that you can tutor for with Khan or have in your deck and just dump mana into and just make the biggest thing on the board by a wide margin. I... So just for four mana, it's straight up a eight eight. On turn four, it's just a four mana eight eight. That's nothing to sneeze at if you just play four green for it. Uh, you can also, you know, if you play green white, you can reward you for going wide. Like it makes it, you know, if you play green green white white, it's like a f make a five five and then pump, pump two of your creatures. I don't know, and then obviously it scales with the X. Part of I hey, let me stop you there. It's worse Pelucranos. It's not good against Blue White Control. You want Chariot against Blue White Control to go wide and have something after a verdict. Think in the mirror, it's also terrible. You want Pelucranos, Immortal Sun, or something else, or just combo. Don't know what scenario you want to play. A 4-mana 8-8 that doesn't have Trample. If it had Trample, I think you'd have something to talk about. Right. okay. I think this goes in a mono-green list that plays Vivian Arcbow Ranger. Yeah, I mean, that's, that that's, that's certainly what I, more along the lines of what I was imagining. So, yeah, Someone I think... had it in, in, in white green hardened scales because the white ability is kind of kind of good there. You put counters yep. on multiple creatures and multiple counters. So but it, yeah, it seems kind of whatever. All right, fine. I was excited. But... All right, sorry. All right, we're it's okay. We're we're in the kind of artifact section though. Harry, is there anything that you really like for Khan wishboards in this form, in the in the new set? Yep, Cityscape Leveler, eight mana. Trample, when you cast a spell, or whenever it attacks, destroy up to one target non-land permanent. Its controller creates a tapped Power Stone token as Unearth for 8. It's an 8-8. Eight, eight. Great in the mirror. Great against things like Control. Just good in the sideboard. Much better Meteor Golem. Um, you also have the Stone Brain. It's a great either just remove your combo, something like Lotus Field, really annoying to play against. Maybe you don't even need to play Damping Sphere anymore. We'll have to see, of course. Um, I mean, we weren't playing Damage here to begin with. 
just great against everything really Stonebrain really helps a yeah so the Stonebrain is like stuff. two colorless uh, legendary artifact and two colorless tap exile and you just as captain which is definitely one for the kids out there but uh, yeah you choose a name Ukrainian extraction them or whatever yeah, you, you kind of name a card and search your library for four copies of it and exile them yeah yeah thing against Phoenix this is really good you can either name thing in the ice Phoenix whatever you think is relevant because obviously against Phoenix most of the time Karn is four mana get Tormod script it dies maybe that's still going to be the case but there are lots of scenarios where you can see yourself having four mana chariot not being high impact body body blah I love that a lot I just think in general green is a lot more options there's also I was speaking with my friends about one that untaps a land, but I don't know where it is. It's the green one that untaps a land and makes it a 3-3. I think it's a creature. Oh, it's a prototype. Oh, it's one of the prototype ones, yeah. It's Right. It's either, for 4 mana, it's a 3-3 free free that untaps a, a land and makes it a creature, so you can untap your Nykthos. And then if not, it's 10 mana. Um, yeah. I think it's not great, but I can see the idea behind it. If you can find slots, I mean, it's down to the fact of do you want to make Mono Green a fifteen card Karn Wishboard, and I I I don't hate it uh, to some extent because the deck consistently sees Karn like sixty percent of the time already. You're boarding in maybe like two three cards if uh, effects like these help you combo uh, more of the time than having these two cyborg cards. Then maybe it's worth it to start putting in these junky situational cards but i think that there's a lot of thought process that needs to be done for mono green going into the tournament i can easily see three editions um i have I a question th- for you how yeah. important was meteor golem how big of an upgrade do you think it is and would you play both to just have golem into that maybe meteor golem is very good in the mirror because you can either destroy their karn because you're Artifacts don't do anything if they have a card on the table. Meter Golem's good against Blue-Eye Control if you've already used your Pithing Needle on, let's say, the Wandering Emperor, uh, and you don't... Like, against Blue-Eye Control, Karn isn't really that good because a lot of the things they can just interact with. Um, I would say that the fact that when it attacks, it makes an additional trigger is really good because I find that you meet your Golem specifically... Planeswalkers, Sky Sovereign, um, things like that. So it's mid-rangey, right? And you just want more triggers, don't you? So I, I just think it's very good. It's just an upgrade. Just an upgrade. I don't think you want Meteor Golem. A lot of the time, you can kind of work around what you want to tutor. There are obviously spots where you'll have seven seven mana and not eight, but I don't think that that's too much of a problem because if you have seven mana, maybe Sky Sovereign's still good enough. So... I think it's good. The problem is you got to test it. So it's yeah. out to these green players going to the PT to test it. Not my, not my problem. Right. What about what about this expensive artifact that I've had my eye on for other reasons? It's Portal to Phyrexia. It's a nine mana artifact, and when it enters the battlefield, each opponent sacrifices three creatures. And at the beginning of your upkeep, you put target creature card from a graveyard onto the battlefield under your control, and it's Phyrexia in addition to its other types. So, I mean, you. This is not good, in my opinion, because already we're not playing God Pharaoh statue, I believe, and you're already milling yourself a ton with Cav, so you can get, like, Cav troll every turn. Well, I mean, God, God Pharaoh statue doesn't do anything when it comes into play, really, other than make 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 a 4 4. This actually answers creatures that are at play. Your opponent sacrifices three creatures. 
Like, it's sort of like having... Yeah, but with nine mana, like, you're not... Like, with nine mana, you can get Cauldron and, like... You know what I mean? I feel like these cards are too specific. Mm. I can see you wanting to play them because you have loads of slots in your sideboard. But you've got nine mana, so you've got five for Cauldron and four spare, and you don't have anything in your graveyard. I, I question what's happened on this board. So the other so, the other reason I brought this card up is because not not for mono green at, at all, really, but it's because uh, it's the sort of thing you can creativity into uh, that in you know. Creativity, creativity, searches like for artifacts as well, right? Just from, okay, yeah. So if you have had had a deck that had no creatures or other artifacts except for this, like you can just go tutor, tutor up for portal to Phyrexia and you know wrath your opponent's board and then just rebuild from there. You know, just it basically wins the game in Pioneer where there's no Archon of Cruelty or whatever to hit. So I was thinking that's like that's actually an int- interesting slot for it. Yeah, it's pretty right. cool. It's not even legendary. You could get multiple mm. into plays and bring back multiple creatures. Exactly. Like it, I think it actually genuinely ends the game against uh, creature decks. Okay, I could see that. Yeah, you, you just need to find sources of non non creature artifacts, and you know we can find them wherever we need to. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. You I, just use the four mana spell. Yeah, but I just you know one of the things that's held creativity back a lot in Pioneer is not having anything uh, good to hit. You know, you might be trying to like go get like blue gear Hulk or something to like get some value, get some value or or whatnot. But this is this is genuinely the top end that you're looking for, I think. Yeah. Got anything else? I now? wanted to still mention few lands. Brushland is new to Pioneer. Huge, if ever. You know, if the white green hardened scale is going to be a thing, or any white green kind of aggressive deck is going to be a thing, Brushland is going to be huge addition and underground uh, river yeah and underground river one of the big things in pioneer is that you only have enemies fast land so if you're playing allied color you know kind of aggressive deck low curve you get punished but at least now you have brush land and demolition field which is a new field of runes so technically you can play eight field of runes oh, you know we're doing maybe, it yeah maybe moderate fires was i keep forgetting the name of the red and one destroy a land or is oh. it even non-basic land or is it any land is that card actually legal i thought that was from modern horizons or am i wrong no no that card pretty sure that card's legal but yeah okay. there's not a ton of basics in pioneer decks even the two color decks usually have free basics max like yeah Phoenix absolutely has two, yeah. red black has free so yeah maybe I... you can choose people and then you get some free wins and some matchups mm. that have even less basics yeah i do like they printed that printed another copy of that I don't know. There's also a ton of cards we didn't talk about that we could have mentioned, but overall, I feel like we're not gonna see a huge impact on on Pioneer. But you know, maybe nothing. I don't, I don't know. It's tough. I I think it'll have an impact. Maybe not the first week because people might not have time to figure stuff out, or they might not want to gamble. Yeah. Um, you know, you pretty much have to play in paper if you want to test these or have enough time to test these cards. But yeah, I'm really interested in in Sternless and the, the Gear Hall deck you were mentioning. I think that's that's and it's somewhat easy, you know. It kind of builds itself, and that'll be the first, probably the first deck I try if I have time to try before the championships. Yeah, look, if I'm if I'm being perfectly honest, the card I'm most excited about is actually Creativity into Portal of Phyrexia. All right, Harry, is there anything you, in particular that's standing out to you? Honestly. 
in the set, I would say is the Stone Brain. I feel like that's going to have the most impact across all the formats that I play. I play a lot of Karn decks. Specifically, something like a Legacy is going to be pretty good. Um, I think, honestly, just Legacy. I like the Stone Brain. I just, I'm excited for Karn stuff. Loads of Karn stuff in this set. All right. Um, should we just wrap it up? Yeah, like I reckon we should... for Pioneer. Yeah, I reckon we should just wrap there. All right. Okay. That's the end of the well, episode. Goodbye. <laughs> oh, we, oh, okay. Well, I guess, you know, to finish off the episode, Gab, where can we find you on the internet? Yeah, testing pioneer, twitch.tv slash yellow hat. I played a, a blue-white list with temporary lockdown. I actually got a trophy. I don't think it's much better than other control decks, but it worked out for me. It was an interesting take. Um, so, yeah, you'll see me playing some more Pioneer this week. How about you? Uh, you can also find me hanging out in Gab's chat, watching him play Pioneer, playing a little bit myself. I've actually played a bit more Magic in the last couple of days. So, yeah. Always coincides with me being really busy and trying to avoid what I have to do. So, yeah, I've been <laughs> I've been building some blue-white decks and, you know, looking forward to kind of watching Gab test over the next couple of weeks for this tournament. Nice. You can find me clickbait on YouTube, Harry MTG. Yeah, just uploaded a legacy video. You also will find me at the Arsenal game tomorrow in London. If you're going, right. catch you there. Uh, if you made it this far to the episode, thank you so much. Hopefully, we'll catch you guys next week. Peace. All right, take care, everyone.